Hello, and welcome to episode number 10 of Conversation Nuggets. Yes, hello! We are now into double-digit figures. And it's 2020, our yeah. very first episode of the new year. Yeah, so welcome to 2020, everyone. Woohoo! All right, what's going on with you? Speaking of 2020, I'm not a big fan of resolutions, but are you? Do you have any goals for the year? Any plans? Yes, so I did sign up for a half marathon in March, and I am... I've been off of my training schedule for quite some time, maybe like a couple months, so I'm trying to slowly ease myself back into it, and today I went for a pretty decent run, in my opinion, um, just on the treadmill, but it felt good, and I think, um, you know, my previous runs weren't as great because I felt like I was really slow, and I've lost a lot of, like, my fitness that I've you know, built up over the years. So I think I'm starting to get it back. And the run that I just did today made me feel really good about myself. That's really good. I love a good confidence boosting run. And also fun fact, have you tried the new treadmill that was installed in the gym? <gasps> I have not. Okay, so it's the middle one. And it's the new one. And there's a very interesting feature on it. So <laughs> there's an app on there to play solitaire. While you're using the treadmill, there's like a bunch of different apps too. Very so you can connect like YouTube and Hulu and Netflix and stuff. So you can like watch stuff while you're working out. But like, I'm wondering like who plays solitaire on the treadmill? Cause I, I don't know, even if you're walking, you're kind of like bobbing up and down and you're, it's like a touch screen and you have to like kind of, I don't know. I, fi I figure it'd be hard to like touch accurately at the cards and like, Play the I game. think walking, though, you're definitely not bobbing anywhere near as much as you are as you're running. And if you walk on, like, an incline on the treadmill, like, you're getting a good cardio workout, but you're not really hmm. moving too fast. Yes. But I think my thing is I couldn't see anyone choosing to play solitaire over watching, like, Hulu or Netflix or whatever because everyone's obsessed with their devices. Well, I think you have to, like, connect your account and you have to, like, spend, like, 10 minutes setting up everything up like with every other device so but solitaire is right there front and center so oh. you know and it's the only game <laughs> only other form of entertainment if you don't have like your own music if you forgot your phone or something interesting so it's like damn it i guess i'm stuck playing solitaire <laughs> <laughs> i can't be in my own thoughts that's for crazy people yeah so what's going on with you oh. well i decided i'm um one of those like words of the year people, because I know that kind of got really trendy like three or four years ago. So last year I chose like three words, maybe like five, but it was way too many. I had like patience and gratitude and presence. And it was like all these things that I wanted to kind of like center myself. But this year I chose believe um, because especially in like running, if I'm like in the middle of a race and it gets really hard, like I just kind of shut myself down. So I want to go into things with this mentality that like you can do what you're setting out to do. Like there's no reason you can't just believe you can do it. So trying to be super positive about that. Um, and then I had a nice long run today. It was like a shorts and tank top weather, which was phenomenal in January. Guys, it was like 50 degrees in Maryland in January. Yeah. But I it was bought, very overcast. <laughs> I bought like a snow shovel to put in my car to leave there in case we got snow. 
and we haven't gotten anything. It doesn't seem like it's going to snow anytime soon. I promise you it will. Ugh, unfortunately. Okay. Should we start with the agenda? Yeah. So, um, I don't know. There's like a historical cider barrel that's located in our, in our town. I don't know if you know where it is, but it's on North Frederick Road mm-hmm. or 355. So, apparently, it's like a historical cider barrel, and they sold cider there way back when the prohibition was started, like during the prohibition. And it was like so popular that they continued to sell non-alcoholic cider even after the prohibition ended. Mm -hmm. So I think it's been closed for like 10 years now, but someone is signed a new lease on it and they're going to be reopening it. Unfortunately, I was hoping that I would go, be able to go there and try the original recipe because, you know, they claim it was so good and that's why it was so popular. But apparently the original owner never revealed the recipe, so the new one's going to be different. Mm. But it's that's... still a pretty fun fact about our hometown. Yeah, that's really cool. Also, because my friend Sarah loves cider and I'm like, mm, I'm a beer and wine person. Not that I like... <laughs> Cider's like a little bit too sweet for me. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't have thought that there was like a cider place anywhere near us. So that's really cool that there actually was one and that it's reopening up. Yeah. So like this barrel, this cider barrel, it's called a cider barrel because it's literally a kind of like a little hut that's shaped like a barrel. And it's like striped red on the top, white in the middle, blue on the bottom. And it's like a really like cute little hut, and it's just like sitting there on the side of the road. Hmm. Well, that sounds fun. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a try. I think it'll just be interesting, just for old times' sake. Yeah. Shall we take right. a short break before our next agenda? Sure. Hey listeners, so we're going to try doing some tongue twisters as a transition or an interlude. And if you guys want to try these at home, feel free and see if you're any better than us. Okay. All right. (laughs) I wish to wash my my Irish wristwatch. I can't say it fast. Okay, here we go. I wish to wash my Irish wristwatch. I wish to wash my Irish. Wristwatch. This is like the hardest one we've found so far. It is so hard. I wish to wash my Irish wristwatch. Irish wristwatch. It's so hard. Even, yeah, even those two words. Whew. Yeah, so let us know if you're any better at um, saying that sentence than we are. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we had to pause to take the collar off Meb because my dog likes to go crazy. Um, I totally forgot to talk about one, one of the things on what's going on with me is that when was it when we last hung out it was like a week ago and I remember you turned on Netflix and I was like, oh my gosh, the new season of Good Girls is on there. Um, I started watching it Wednesday, Wednesday, I think. And I'm now one episode away from ending it. Like mm. I'm not a binge watcher person. When you told me you binge watched like so much of Letterkenny, I was like, 
That is dedication. But they're like short seasons. How many episodes was Good There's Girls? more in the season now. There's like, there's 13 episodes. Oh. Oh my gosh. It's so good. And I was talking to Sarah earlier and I was like, I really wish because you watch it. I mean, my mom has already seen season two, but you watch it. Sarah watches it. My friend Oscar watches it. And none of you guys have started it yet. So after I started it, I was like, oh my gosh, it's so good. I have to wait for one of my friends to start it so we can talk about it episode by episode. And then I like couldn't stop watching it. I watched episode two and three and I was like, it's okay. You're not that far along yet, Amber. You can stop at any time <laughs> so your friends can catch up and you can talk about it. And it never happened. Like the past two days, I've just like sat on my couch and watched so many episodes. And I'm like, I just can't turn it off. So it's basically so you were like an addict who was like, I can quit anytime, <laughs> but you That's couldn't. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> oh my God. It was so bad. It was so bad because I couldn't turn it off, but it's so good. And then I was like, oh, my God, by the time my friends watch it, I'm not even going to remember anything because so much time is going to have passed. They're going to be like, do you remember this specific scene? And I'll be like, uh, I remember how it ended. So I don't know. Maybe I'll just rewatch it when my friends watch it so we could discuss play by play. Well, your friends could just like remind you and then you'll be like, oh, yeah, that's what happened. Oh, that's true. Yeah, there's not so many characters. Oh, it's just so good. You guys, if you're listening to this and you've never watched Good Girls... It's on Netflix. It's amazing. Oh my gosh. It's just so good. Please go watch it. Please pause this episode and go watch it right now. And also Letterkenny, which is on Hulu. So you have to subscribe to both Hulu and Netflix or find someone who has those subscriptions and mooch off of them. Yeah. Sharing is caring. Hashtag not sponsored by Letterkenny or Good Girls. <laughs> okay. Back to the agenda. Um, okay. First photo of the black hole which is actually not a very like recent news item, but I came across this because my newsletter that I subscribe to, The Skim, for those of you that don't subscribe and would like to, it's very good. Um, they did like an end of year newsletter where they kind of just linked to all the crazy stuff that happened in 2019. Um, one of it was that scientists unveiled a photo of the first black hole um, that they've ever gotten a picture of on April 10th, 2019. It's basically a black circle surrounded by a ring of light. Um, and it's in the heart of a galaxy. Ooh. I don't know if you guys just heard Meb growl. Stop trying to play with him right now, Paul. Um, so the black hole that they got a photo of is in a galaxy called Messier 87, which is more than 50 million light years away. Um, it's a black hole that contains the same mass as 6.5 billion with a B suns. It's so big. That's what she said. Um, M87 is the biggest galaxy in the center of the Virgo cluster. I read that and I was like, wait, so does that mean that like all of the astrology stuff, do they each have their own cluster? I don't know how that works. What is a Virgo cluster? I have no idea. I just <laughs> know galaxies and constellations so i figure like I'm, if i had to guess i figure it's like a type of constellation that's kind of like a group of stars or planets that are like in a certain like sector of the sky that they're monitoring i don't know so like the galaxy is like in the if constellation to... i'm so confused no i think that's different okay <laughs> anyway um, so the image was courtesy of Event Horizon Telescope uh, project. It was a global collaboration of more than 200 scientists in six observatories in Mexico, Hawaii, Arizona, Chile, and Spain. Um, so the six observatories acted like a massive telescope the size of Earth. 
they collected more than a petabyte of data. And I was like, I don't know what a petabyte is. They said it's equivalent to the entire selfie collection of a lifetime of 40,000 people. Yeah. So it's one, I think it's 1000 terabytes, which also means nothing to me. So I'm just going to assume 1000 terabytes is the equivalent to a lifetime of 40,000 people's selfies. Um, another way they said it. So it had five petabytes of data and they said the only reasonable way to transfer it was by shipping actual hard drives rather than sending it digitally. So I'm like, Oh my gosh, that alone is a heavy enough lift. It took them two years to assemble this like giant photo of the black hole, because remember there were six observatories. So before now humans could only see indirect evidence that black holes existed by looking for stars that seemed to orbit bizarre objects or by capturing radiation from superheated matter swirling into them. Um, or seeing energetic jets of particles launch from their tumultuous environments. So the Event Horizon Telescope initially set out to snag an image of the black hole that's at the center of our galaxy, the Milky Way. Um, but it was actually like really small compared to the M87. So they, let's see, they also decided to aim the telescope at M87, hoping to eventually compare the M87 black hole compared to the one in the Milky Way. Um, but then they found out that seeing into the heart of the Milky Way was way more complicated than just staring into the one at like the next galaxy over. So that's why we have M87. Um, so now they want to probe into some of the deeper mysteries of the physics of black holes, which sounds like super fascinating to me. And I'm just like really eager for documentaries to come out about it. Um, they said, what we'd really like to know from these observations is, are the properties of these black holes really what we expect if Einstein is right? And they kind of went into some of like Einstein's theories, which was a little boring to me. It was a very long article. Um, one thing they said was interesting is that you could walk right across M87's event horizon and not even feel it because the black hole was so big that space time is barely curved at this point. And when I started reading this, I was like, I feel like this needs to be a Rick and Morty episode. I don't even like that show, but I feel like it would be a good episode. So they said there, the pull of M87's immense gravity would be the same across your body from your head to your toes. But as you fell in closer, the curvature would intensify until you're ultimately ripped into a vertical spaghetti strands. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Um, I think the term for it that um, astrologers or astrophysicists use is sp spaghettification. That's such a fun term. It's hard to say, though. Spaghettification. Um, so soon the team plans to share an image of the black hole that's in our um, Milky Way. I think it's called Sagittarius A. I don't know why there's an A. Um, but they don't expect the picture to be any sharper than the one they have of M87 since they're, like, completely different sizes. So the one in our Milky Way is only the size of... Where is it? I think they said 4 million suns compared to 6.5 billion. Only 4 million. I know. It's so puny. So anyway, I just thought that was like really interesting and crazy. And the fact that like six, A, six observatories, that's crazy. B, so much data that they had to like mail it to each other in hard drives. And then they had to take two years to compile everything just to make a photo of like a black hole with a little ring around it. Yeah, that is pretty crazy. And I saw the photo <laughs> and it wasn't very high resolution. It's not something that like we would be able to make sense of, but um, it is still really interesting that they could do that and like the time and effort that they had to do it. I think they did it over like decades and decades of data. 
um, that they were collecting in order to create that picture. Is that right? No? No. This one was two years. So uh, they said that the tablet... Oh, wait. Is this a different one? It might... This one was, let's see, from April 10th is when they published it. But they said that it was staring at M87's black hole in April 2017 and that it took two years for the scientists to assemble. So I wonder uh, if it took them years to years assemble something Two years to assemble, else. but decades to collect the data and then assemble it? Um, I, I don't know. know. They just said it was staring at the black hole. I could have sworn it took decades. Multiple Are you sure it was decades. the black hole? Yeah. Maybe it was some other thing in space that they were staring well, at. Well, I'll just have to verify when I go home. Okay. Fact checking. Yes. Crazy. Also, it just made me think, like, growing up, I always loved space. And then I think I got to take, like, an earth science class. I think it was, like, in eighth or ninth grade. And, like, space was so fascinating, but it was so um, elementary compared to this. Like, they didn't talk about space-time. They were just, like, black holes eat matter. And that's, like, all you know. Like, there wasn't... Yeah, I'm really into, like, astrophysics and things like that, too. I'm not trained in any way. I didn't study anything. But, like, you know, I spent a while listening to, like, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson and some other astrophysicists talk about, you know... Um, talk about various things and like spew out fun facts. And I feel like, you know, our elementary school teachers could have made those classes a lot more interesting. <laughs> like, could you imagine if they talked about spaghettification? Like, I can't say that word, but yeah. <laughs> I think, yes. I don't know. I'm torn kids, because to me it was interesting spaghetti. enough. They were like, this is a photo, of, not a photo. Like this is what Jupiter looks like. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. So like they kept it very basic and I was still fascinated, but I kind of see where you're coming from. Like maybe they could have had way more fun. Well, facts. like you're already interested in it, but like the kids who aren't interested initially. Are just <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but you know, like they could have captured their attention. Mm. Yeah. You know? And maybe inspired some of them to become future astrophysicists. All right. You should just go be a teacher. No, I hate kids. <laughs> I would yeah, be, I I would be fired know. after one day for yelling at a kid. You would just have zero patience. You'd be ripping your hair out. Like, stop talking to me. All right. What's next on the agenda? All right. So next up on, G on the agenda is about a TurboTax scam. So apparently it's it's supposed to be legally free to file your taxes, but various companies like H&R and TurboTax try to kind of make you pay for like, you know, some sort of services to get you to like, like they lure you in, they're like, file your taxes yep. for free. But then like when you actually go to their websites or use their apps, there's literally no link to go use just the free part so like when you finish up and then like there's only a link to like check out with like the basic package or like you know there's like the deluxe package but all of which you have to pay for mm -hmm. but technically it's illegal to like make you pay for filing your taxes when it could be done for free so there's currently a lawsuit, I believe, against Intuit, which is the creator of TurboTax, mm. for purposefully, um, I guess, making links to, like, the free versions not available, even if you do, like, a Google search. Like, it was very, like, 
shady stuff that they were doing just to like doing doing whatever they can to get you away from like the free versions oh. so apparently now i the irs is done with all those shenanigans and they're going to be creating their own free tax filing software which is interesting hmm. oh i have thoughts okay yeah so First like all, <laughs> sorry no go ahead yeah so like every year I, you know i've been using Intuit TurboTax and I've been paying for their services because I was like, okay, like they're saying it protects you from audits and things like, or there's like audit protection. I was like, oh, okay, I'll just do that. Like it's only like $70 more and like whatever. It's just better to be safe or whatever. But I guess it's like, that's only part of the picture. There is like a whole scam going on to get you to like pay for sound service. Like, they're trying to get you away from, like, all those free Oh, yeah, versions. I mean, they want to make money because capitalism. Yeah. Um, that Sorry, is interesting, though. Okay, oh, so my thoughts. Like, kudos to the IRS for being like, F it, we are going to just make our own system. But also, I wonder how long it's going to take. I'm concerned about that. I'm concerned about the quality because I know, like, I'm just thinking of, like, the hullabaloo that... I fully support the ACA, um, what some people call Obamacare. I think it's a good idea, and I understand politically people have different ideas behind it. Some people don't agree with it at all. I did, but I also know that it was like a hot mess when they launched it, and they're like, oh, yeah, go to our website and sign on and blah, 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 and it was just like not at all built properly. So my concern would be that the IRS's like first iteration would be very messy. But they can always improve. It's just like, I wouldn't hold my breath waiting for it. Yeah, I agree with you. I have used, I've been using TurboTax ever since, you know, I started working, which has been like, I don't know, like six years now. And like, even if the IRS came out with a free app, I know and trust TurboTax because I've been using that. And every year they've given me like pretty good results. So I'm not sure how user friendly the IRS app will be and how accurate it'll be, how much protection it'll give you. I don't know. Actually, I don't know how much protection TurboTax gives you because I always go for the audit protection version, but I've never been audited. So I don't know if it actually works. <laughs> so, you know, I don't know if there's anything like that that the IRS is going to offer as well. So, it's, I still fully support it. You know, it's great that they're taking this initiative, but maybe I'll use it after like year two or three. Yeah. Once you hear like good reviews from other people and yeah. like, okay, it actually works. I was, I don't think that they would make it like, my concern would be more so the user friendliness aspect. I don't think that they would make it, um, I, like, I can't imagine somebody like messing up on it so badly that they get audited even though they did everything they were supposed to do. Cause I feel like the IRS would build it to be like, um, you know, we're going to make sure you do this correctly. I feel like if anything, there's might be, I don't know, maybe it would be like more, um, maybe it would take longer to do it. Maybe they would require more data. Cause I feel like if it's like the IRS handling it, I don't know. They're the ones that like do the audits, aren't they? You feel like they would like absolutely make sure any customer that comes to them, like we're going to make sure that you're not going to get audited because we're going to walk you through everything. Maybe I'm just 
pretending that they're much better than they really are. I don't know. Yeah, I I don't have any frame of like reference for the IRS app. Like so, you know, I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. We'll see when it comes out. I will say, I can't remember if I used TurboTax or there's like another popular one. But anyway, I used one or the other. And yeah, it was like as the years went by and it was like um, when I started opening like a different like investment type accounts. And then I would get in January when you get all you get your like W9 mm-hmm. or 1099 or whatever they are. And I would get one for one of my investment accounts. And then I logged on to do my taxes. And they were like, we're sorry. This type of form doesn't allow you to use the free version. And I was like, what? Just because I have my money invested in this specific type account, I have to pay you to now do my taxes? And, like, that really irked me. Yeah. So, yeah. Those are my thoughts. All right. Um, should we dive into the next agenda item? Sure. All right. Oxford's word of the year is drum roll climate emergency it's two words of the year um yeah so according to oxford dictionaries usage of the term went up over ten thousand percent since the previous year um so i like clicked on this article and i was like oh that's fascinating literally that was it so they just said a, they define climate change as a situation in which urgent action is required to reduce or halt climate change and avoid potentially irreversible environmental damage results resulting from it. Um, they select a word of the year from a word or phrase that's seen an upsurge of interest over the past 12 months. They choose a winner based on the data of its usage. So I was like, oh, I thought they chose a word of the year because... It had like a very strong meaning, but they literally do it just because it's used more than like other words. Uh, and there's been a big uptick. Do you think Greta Thunberg had anything to do with it? Maybe she did. <laughs> they did say related expressions such as climate crisis and climate action also made the word of the year 2019 shortlist. Well, I'm glad that there's more awareness around climate change. Me too. Um, two things. Okay. Also, they said previous words of the year include toxic in 2018, which I didn't really find surprising. Um, Youthquake in 2017. I have no idea what that is. Right? What is that? And then post-truth in 2016. And I was like, how often have I ever heard, A, I've never heard of youthquake. Post-truth, I feel like I've heard five times in my life. Like, I've never heard that phrase either. So, yeah, I don't... I don't really know what that means. Wasn't there something like that Stephen Colbert made? Like something truth? I don't know. I don't follow him. I don't know. He, I thought he coined a word about truth, truthiness or something like that. I don't know. Fun word, but okay. (laughs) But I'm surprised that didn't make the cut. Right. Like, I think I thought, is there another dictionary? There's, I could have sworn there was like another dictionary or something that like takes a word that people use a lot and then turns it into a real word. Like they take like commonly used phrases and they turn it into a real word. So I think when I saw this, I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. And then I was like, Oh, it's literally just because people started using climate emergency a lot. Mm. But like, isn't there, what is there besides Oxford? But I feel like people have like, I don't know. I should have examples, but I don't because I can't think of any other dictionary names. But then. Well, I do know that, you know, if you look up Google search terms, there's like there's like trending 
popular search terms and it gives you like a time frame for each one. Oh. So I don't know if they do something along the lines of that in order hmm. to figure out what their word of the year is going to be. I mean, it is kind of interesting. Maybe 2016 and 2017 didn't really make the news because maybe just using the word youth quick like five times was an uptick of 10,000%. But 10,000%, that is a lot. Right? Thanks, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> All right, should we take a quick break? Sure. All right. <clears throat> we have another, what are they called? Tongue twister for you. I'll let you go first. All right. Thank you. So this is the sushi chef. That's pretty good. So this is the sushi chef. Chef. Sushi chef. Yeah. It's it's also kind of hard to say. I had a little bit of practice, to be honest, and I've been saying sushi chef, but I've gotten the SH down, so now I can say sushi chef. Sushi chef. Sushi chef. If I say it like what's one word, that's much easier than sushi chef. all right and that's that all right and we're back so our next agenda topic is about living in california so i think it's fair to say that los angeles is a pretty popular place to live so popular in fact that people will live there even if they don't have a place to live so i'm going to be talking about people who are homeless and living in their cars So apparently that's a trend that's been on the rise. So there's apparently more over 16,000 people in LA County who are currently living in their homes. And that's about a quarter of the nearly six. In their cars. In their cars. Sorry. Their cars are their homes. So I'll use those synonymously. (laughs) Okay. And they're among over 60,000 people who are homeless there. And... Being homeless it can be, you know, somewhat dangerous, regardless of whether in your car or just, you know, in like a tent or in a sleeping bag out on the streets. But if you have a vehicle to, that you've been living in, um, there is a better, I guess there is some hope because there's a nonprofit called Safe Parking LA that is actually offering safe parking lots for these people to park their cars and live in them and their security provided and i think it's a really great initiative on their part um but also it's crazy that so many people are homeless in la to the point that you know they have like this crazy number of people who are living in their cars like sixteen thousand people that's a lot of people for a single county or a city. That is. I mean, I'm curious, though, compared to other large cities, because I know cities, particularly with, like, veteran populations, uh, like, I lived in San Diego for a short while, and they had a lot of homeless people that were all, like, veterans, because a lot of people in the military, no, I don't want to generalize like that, but some people from the military didn't... Um, really get the financial education that they needed. So they would spend all of the money they made. And then when they retired, they like weren't retiring to anything. They suddenly didn't have a home on base. Um, So I'm just curious, I guess, maybe they were more motivated to find out the number of people actually living in their cars in LA County. Like, I'm just curious what it would compare to versus other cities. Like I picture like very expensive cities, like 
I've heard Seattle's very expensive. We all know San Francisco is very expensive. And like, are there just less homeless people there? Because but there's. You wouldn't be able to do this in New York because <laughs> if you have a car, like apparently, like you have to have like you have to be pretty well off to have a car in New York in the first place, like that's New York true. City. Um, and I don't know. I just still think that's a pretty high s- statistic by any measure. Um, Sixteen thousand people is. A lot, a lot by any standard, I feel like. And I get like, yeah, regardless of the number of homeless people in a city, I do agree with you. I like the initiative that they're kind of trying to do this whole like safe parking lot thing. And it, it's almost like a, I don't know, it kind of makes me think of like trailer park where they're all like, you can come here. It's going to be safe. You can like, you know, leave your stuff here and sleep here. Yeah. So know. there are three points that I wanted to make. So First of all, I like that there are these kinds of initiatives that recognize that um, homelessness can be kind of dangerous and they're offering these safe places to stay at, you know, in your cars or whatever. Um, The second point being that it's crazy that the rent prices are going up so much that it's actually like the median per month rent for a one bedroom apartment in San Francisco is $3,700, which is more than double, comfortably more than double than what either of us are paying here in Maryland. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. And, you know, the number of, because the rents are, they keep going up. So the number of homeless people are also going up. And I think, I don't know, there could be a better solution. Well, I mean, this is a nonprofit organization who, recognize that there's this issue so they're working on their side to solve you know help those people out but i feel like maybe the local government could also help out to a greater extent to help control the rent yeah because i'm also like i feel like there's got to be more factors too than just rent going up compared to like the number of people suddenly going homeless because i'm like to go homeless like I feel like a lot of bad things have to happen or somebody just like isn't very financially secure whenever they move into where they're moving. So like, A, I know there's rules and regulations in place that rent, at least if you're staying in a um, a legit place, like rent can only increase X percent per year and they have to compare it to like the places around it. So you're like our apartment complex can't jump up the rent any more than any of the other complexes that are nearby us. So it's like, I'm just curious if there's what else they could do and maybe if there's more study that like they need to put into figuring out why these people are suddenly becoming homeless. Like, are they not just making enough money? Are people being allowed to sign leases when their rent is like 45% of their take home income? Like what is it that's suddenly causing this drastic number of people to become homeless? Cause I think it's definitely, it's more than rent. It's very sad. Yeah. Oh, that's so sad. And the third point that I wanted to make was that I think what the nonprofit is doing is pretty good. I like that they recognize this issue, which kind of seems like a niche issue because first of all, like you have to be homeless and you have to at least have a vehicle that you can reside in. But they still recognized that there was a need for people who needed a safe place to park and sleep overnight. And I've always had a dream of opening a shelter for women, children, and um, 
also be pet friendly, similar to uh, what Pals does in New York City. So if you're not aware, um, in New York, there's an organization called Pals that offers um, shelters for women who are, you know, maybe they've experienced some domestic violence or abuse or whatever, and they're trying to get to a safe place. But a lot of these shelters don't allow pets. So Pals stepped in and they're one of the few organizations that actually do accommodate pets. So I wanted to have something like that, but also after reading this, I'm like, maybe having, maybe starting off like with something like that, where you offer some sort of solution, a safe place for people who, you know, at least have a car that they need to stay in, that they can stay in or something like that, you know, a safe place to reside. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could also be another good way to contribute to the community. Yeah. You could be the first one in Maryland to open up a park like that. Well, I don't Maybe know if I'd be the first one. Because I, I haven't done research into like who else has done it. That's true. Yet. <laughs> that was very ominous sounding, but it's much more positive. <laughs> Soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Final agenda item. Hooray. Yeah, I wanted to go on something kind of positive. There's not much about it. Um, but the Golden Globes um, announced on January 2nd, or actually the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which hosts the Globes, they announced on January 2nd that the menu for attendees of this year's award show will not include meat. Um, they made the decision to draw attention to the connection between Americans' diets and climate change. Which I thought was pretty cool. So um, I looked it up in the Golden Globes. Let's see. They're happening on January 5th, which is Sunday. We're recording on Saturday. Um, there really wasn't much information about it, but they did say, let's see, one dish on Sunday's menu is going to consist of king oyster mushroom scallops on top of wild mushroom risotto with roasted Brussels sprouts. Um, another option is going to be chilled golden beet soup. Hmm. And I'm like, all of that sounds interesting. I don't know uh, if I would eat it on like, I feel like they could have, I mean, maybe it's a very, like they named this chef who's a Beverly, see, it's Matthew Morgan, who's a Beverly Hilton executive chef. So I'm sure he's, you know, primo chef, but I'm also just like, couldn't they have picked more delicious vegetarian meals? <laughs> Cause those sound pretty gross. The mushrooms are pretty stinky and some people don't like them well i i don't know apparently mushrooms are a pretty good replacement for meat because they kind of have that same kind of savory flavor which i don't get because i also dislike mushrooms but apparently they're a pretty good alternative to meat if you like mushrooms okay but yeah i mean kudos to them for you know hosting such a big event and deciding to use it to draw attention to an existing climate emergency issue. Yeah, and it's pretty unique that they decide to, well, not unique, but I guess it's, I guess it's good of them that they specifically tied um, climate change to the American diet. Yeah, American diet portion of it. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, there's other factors, but, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a good way to kind of draw attention to like, well, you know, this is one thing we could be doing better. One thing of many. And I guess that's it. 
All right. Well, I hope everyone had a good holiday, and I guess we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Happy New Year. Um, let us know if you have any resolutions or goals or words of the year. Um, we'd be happy to hear it. Thanks. All right. Hey, listeners. Wait. Did it start? Uh, I think. Hold on. <laughs> I was going to say.